This is Pastor Flosser, and you're getting ready to listen to the preached Word of God taken directly from one of our services at Faith and Truth Assembly in Thomasville, Pennsylvania. We hope it is a blessing to you, and if you could take some time and just go over to the Contact Us tab on this website and send us a little message. Let us know if there's any questions we can answer, any prayer requests we can bring before the Lord on your behalf. We want to help you in any way we can. God bless you and enjoy the word. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, we do to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Can I just kind of sum that up and tell you that means they were really going through it and they still were generous and giving. For to their power I bear record, listen to this, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. God bless you. You can be seated. This is a scripture about generosity and giving, but we're not teaching about giving tonight. Um, But I want to look at something here that I feel like is important uh, that God is just wanting to help somebody tonight with. He says here about these churches in Macedonia that they were in great trial of affliction. The word trial can also be translated test. How many understand that as we go through life and sometimes the afflictions, sometimes the hard times in our walk with God are a trial or a test? We've used that terminology, I think, sometimes, trials that I'm going through. I'm going through some trials right now. But do we recognize times of testing? Do we recognize that God allows some things into our lives? And he knows just the level of where we are and what we need to do to graduate. Amen. I want to deal with that here after a while. But God's not interested in you just sliding by. Ignorant. Amen. Immature. God wants you to grow and and to be effective for Him and to, to, to grow in your maturity as a child of God. Not just be a taker, a baby that cries and says, Give me, but, but to grow up and to be an asset to, to the kingdom of God, a help. Praise the Lord. So God's telling us here, in 2 Corinthians, that there was a church, in fact, there was a group of churches in an area of Macedonia, Greece, that they were going through great trial of affliction. Anybody, can you say you've been through great trials of affliction? You feel like there's been trouble in your life, affliction in your life. You feel like you've been up against some things. Don't necessarily always just consider, hey, the devil's doing this. Stop it, devil. Get out of my life. Leave me alone. 
But for the devil to have to get to you, he's had to, like he did with Job, have a conversation with God and say, um, you know, uh, if you just go ahead and, and let this happen. So God's got a plan even in the great trial of affliction. Testing. Anybody, I, I would say maybe there's some folks here today. I've, I asked you a few weeks ago, anybody here like algebra? I think there was a couple hands over here. And, um, you know, that's that's great. I, uh, you know, and I wonder, you know, different subjects or different things that we enjoy to learn and to maybe read a little bit more about or study up on or just, just, just things we're interested in. But there's not a lot of people that get excited about tests. And I know it for myself. I know in school tests were never something I would look forward to. But I really believe, not that this knowledge would change the fact that all of a sudden I say, oh, I get it now. Now I love tests. No, I don't think that's the case. But I don't think I really got the idea. To me, it was just get it done with. But to recognize that there was somebody that was going to ask me some difficult questions to gauge how far along I am in the material. There's a purpose in a test. It's not just uh, somebody saying, I want to irritate that, that person very much and, and ruin their day. But there's lessons that are being learned throughout the year, and we're going to stop right here and find out just how much of this you're getting in you. Right? And I know we like to just guess on things and make patterns with the multiple choice answers, A, B, A, C, A, B. You know, just, uh, you know, true or false, we've got 50% chance of getting it right at least. But it's not about just so much the grade, but am I, am I learning anything? Am, am I getting the information in me? Hallelujah. We may, we may look back at some of the tests we've taken and say, I really cannot for the life of me figure out why I needed to know how to figure out what X is and why I would want to square it. But God is allowing tests in our lives. Can I say this? Hope it doesn't offend you or hurt your feelings too much. God's conducting tests. Amen. He doesn't just allow it. He's in charge of it. There's a purpose in it. He's been teaching you. I hope you've been listening to the preaching. That's part of it. Life and, and, and things you might not know just what exactly you're going to be when you finish this, this stage, this grade in your life. But God's got His place for you. And He's tailor-making the, the lessons in your life. And you'll be tested. Oh, yes, you will be tested. You will be tried. You're gonna, God's going to find out if you've been listening. I appreciate people who come to the house of God and, and they do whatever it takes. They might, they might listen to the message again. They might jot things down and take notes. They might ask questions later. But, but learning the material, not just academically, not just so that they can quote a scripture and uh, repeat it back, not just to know trivia. I enjoy I love the Word of God, and I love to learn trivia about it and kind of throw questions around just to, 
just to see how much uh, we're paying attention. And, but, but to know what God is trying to teach you and I to be better, to be what he wants us to be. That's what it's really about. It's practical. And the great afflictions that face us sometimes are tests. You're going to take what we've learned and you're going to take what we've heard. Find out if you really got it in your heart. Find out if you really know what's being said. Know what it means and how it applies to you. A test is not just God or the devil being mean to you and trying to ruin your day. Depending on how you look at it, you might just say the devil's been fighting me or God, why have you allowed this in my life? But but God's got a purpose in that. And many times, many times, we've read this so many times, uh, it says in 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 5, 1 Peter 1, 5, it says, who are kept by the power of God, thank God for that, God's the one who's keeping you, through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold or many different kinds of temptations. Again, that word could also be interpreted or translated as testings. Heaviness, affliction, trials, temptations, tests. That trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. How in the world can my test be something that is precious and valuable to me? Because when I pass the test, when I recognize that I'm better, I'm not what I was, I've grown, I've learned some things, I've moved on some things. Amen. It's sad to see so many in the world with just so so little motivation to really just grow and learn and be better. God's created you to 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 be something awesome really in him. And this world might not think you're very awesome and and people might not appreciate that, but God's got a very special gift in you and he doesn't want you just coasting in life and being a taker. He wants you to to use the gifts and the abilities that he's put in you to to be a blessing and to be some something that that like I said earlier is a is an asset that is a a help in the kingdom of God. Amen. But there's so many people that just are going through life without any kind of inspiration, any kind of motivation, they just just uh, have almost a, a spiritual laziness about them, and the world owes them, and, and uh, you know, we, we don't know how ever learn how to, to press on and do something that it takes, maybe something that's uncomfortable, something that's inconvenient, something that, that, that is difficult, and really press through and, and, and work hard, or, and, and do something about what you're living and and be better when it's all said and done by the help and grace of God. And the world, you know, it's I have a lot of folks that that look at church and have backslid and they say, you know, there's so many problems and hypocrites and trouble. I don't need all that. The world's not nice to people like that just cruise through life. The world has its problems too. I I hear people talking about their jobs. 
I hear people talking about their, their, the, the bars, and I hear people talking about the troubles in their, their life. And I, don't tell me that you just give up every time there's trouble in everything you do. I remember coming up in the Lord being very young and, and, uh, and a preacher talking about how you know hard times doesn't make you quit. And he, he referred to a, an ice cream headache. And said, you know, you don't give up on ice cream when you get brain freeze. You just wait till it's done and then go for the next spoonful. You know, it's hypocrisy to act like, you know, there's problems in church, so why bother? The world is really full of problems, and it's really not very kind to people who act like there shouldn't be any problems, so why, why buck the system? Why press and fight against it? And it breaks my heart seeing people live their lives like that. But even more so when I see people being like that spiritually, that never realize that tests and trials can be valuable if, you, if you're applying yourself and learning. Learning. You know, David said in one place, teach my fingers how to fight. Teach my hands how to war. Amen. So it says here in 1 Peter 1, uh, that uh, verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth. While you're looking at the test and saying, this is horrible, I hate it, just make it stop. If you're going to, there, there are Christians that, that are successful and they recognize these things are not strange, these things are not uncommon, but God's got a purpose. And if I apply what I've learned and, and, I, and I just press on and fight, and that God's going to bring victory and God's going to bring help to me. A lot of folks can't get excited about victory. They're excited about the trouble passing, but they never get that satisfaction of saying, wow, God, thank you. I, I know how to pray through a trial. I know how to get a hold of God and get what I need in God. Amen. Sit back and, and, and live your life in mediocrity, or just one half step away from backsliding, and then problems come and hardships come and you're wondering why you why you don't know how to to get through this and why it's so difficult and it's not fair and it's not right can i tell you a child of god is learning and growing on how to overcome amen that's true everything i've said to you is is right and and good but if we're going to tell you the whole story of it that we must understand that as a child of God, as a Christian that is motivated to live for God and inspired to make it and to graduate and see what God wants for me to do. And, and if you'll take just uh, the ideal, if you can, successful child of God that says, I understand this. I'm not expecting it to be easy. And I know it's hard. And I've fought some battles. And I've learned some things. And I'm better today than I was. But I would be a phony if I did not tell you in all this that, that good folks fail some tests. Good folks sometimes don't, don't get a passing grade. And I want to take a little bit of time as I'm preaching to you about the tests of life. The, that I want to talk to somebody here today that's failed a test. I want to talk to somebody who has not, uh, not passed. The Bible tells us very clearly that a just man falls seven times. Amen? That there are 
situations in our lives that, that good men and women that desire God's best fall short. And as much as I preach to you that God will help you, pay attention and listen to what God's trying to say to you and get a hold of every bit of it. Don't waste a day. Don't waste a service. Don't waste what God's doing in your life. Listen and get a hold of what God's, God's trying to say to you. I don't know that anybody here would say, well, Brother Flosser, good. You help those poor souls in the church that have failed. But, uh, but I've, always just, uh, I've always just come through with A+. I doubt it. If you're going to be honest, if you're going to be sincere before God and be humble, you failed some tests. And failure, failure is not final in living for God. The devil would like to take that failure and, and like we've told you many, many times, try to just brand that into your, into your heart and mind and make that somehow what identifies you. That's ridiculous. The, the world is full of stories of success that men and women that have gone down in history as incredible, successful people, that their life is full of failures. There's things that uh, I've, I've heard many, many times, probably one of the top examples of, would be Abraham Lincoln and all the different things that he had run for and offices he tried to hold that just failed one after the other and just just many, many things that were against him. But yet, yet we look at him as one of the greatest leaders of our nation. And that's just a common, common uh, example. Anyone that's been living for God, anyone that's been serving God that is an inspiration to you, that has... Uh, as an example in the house of God, they've had to not only understand that that they are going through tests, but but recognize what to do when you fail. Sadly, sadly, there's people that give up because they feel like, well, I, I failed, and so that's the end of it all. That's just that's just it. And the devil would like nothing more for you to believe that. I remember one time years ago there was a man that was we were working with who had been delivered from drug addiction. God did an amazing, amazing work. And uh, just just so, so beautiful how God just just took it out of his system, just took it out of his life, his desire. Walked away from every kind of man-made support system and just let God be God, let the church be the church. This one started making some bad decisions, started just drifting a little here and there, and then, and then ended up just falling hard. And I remember being there when, when he hit bottom. And I picked this man up, my friend, and we took a drive. And if I told you the details of this story, it, just, it was just so sad that God had just worked in this life, was repairing his family, was giving him uh, a good job and income, and he took a paycheck, a full paycheck, and just went downtown and, and, and just blew it on drugs and, and did more drugs in that weekend than he had done 
just just in a, in a lot of times that he had already been doing drugs. And I caught up with him, took a drive with him. We went out to, to get some lunch. But during the drive, I just started asking questions. What happened? What went wrong? Well, you know, I... I and he started mentioning just some little things that were going on, just some things that every one of us deal with. But the devil magnified that as mine. said, you know what? I didn't pray like I should. I didn't, uh, didn't put my heart into it like I should. And there were some other things that were just, and my mind started just telling me, you know, you're, you don't really have this. You, I started feeling temptation, and I just started, I convinced myself, you know, I just don't, uh, I, I just, I'm not real, and I don't really want this. And, and I, just, I just gave up and went just, just wholesale back into sin. And I remember telling this man, I remember telling this man, brother, we, we all deal with those mind battles. We all deal with those mind games that the devil tries to tell us it's not real, it's not right. And, and when I told this man that, that these kind of things happen to a good Christian, when he recognized that he had believed this lie that he was hearing in his mind, he wailed in tears. He cried, no, in my car as we're driving to lunch. No, I can, I, I can, I can hear it like it just happened today. Just, just, I, I can't believe you're telling me that that all those things just are common and and those mind battles that we've yes and and if you'll learn how to how to address them you can have victory like every one of us that deals with that. We got to recognize not only how the battle affects us, but also that when we fail a test, we got to know what to do to get back up and get back into what God is doing. We've got to recognize that, that it's not the end. We can't allow the devil to, to make us believe the lie that those, those thoughts or that temptations is who we really are. But we are new creatures in Christ. Amen. And God's got a way for the one who's failed the test to get back up and to go on and be everything God wants him to be. Turn with me to 1 John, the first chapter, 1 John 1. First John 1. I've got three steps here I want to talk about failing a test. 1 John 1, 9 says, if, somebody say if. Very important word in the Bible, isn't it? It's a conditional word. I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to do something for you. But this is what I need you to do. Don't believe God's going to do a whole lot for you if you don't meet the if condition. If we confess our sins. Somebody say confess. If we confess our sins. Now, we don't have a little booth in the back that you're going to get in there and talk to the preacher and tell me all your stories. That's not it. We confess to Jesus. There's one priest, and it's Jesus. Amen. I'm not a priest. I'm a, I'm a pastor. Amen. And uh, hallelujah. Jesus is the one that we talk to. We confess our sins. I don't know 
how many consider this, but I, I feel like confession's got to be a whole lot more than just something we're laying on the pillow, run it through our head. God, sorry if I did anything today that I shouldn't have done. I believe that we need to find a place in an altar, find a place before God. You don't have to have to cry out to God, but I, I believe that, that there needs to be a confession to God. Find a place alone with God, maybe there in your house somewhere, but talk to God. Make some noise. Confess. Use words to tell God. Hallelujah. Confess your sins, he said, if we confess our sins. Talk to God and tell him, this is what I did. This is what you say about it. It's wrong. It's sin. I sinned. Amen. Hallelujah. He is faithful if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You go through your life acting like you're not a sinner, acting like you do, you know, you're fine and everything is, is great. And, and uh, you know, God's mercy just takes care of all that. That's not, this isn't for you. That's not the way it is. He said, confess your sins. In one place he, t- he, he bundles, and I believe this is important, it's, it, can, it bundles confession and forsaking your sins. That's repentance. That's turning away from sin. You don't just tell God, hey, I sinned again, and this is what I'm doing, and, you know, probably will tomorrow too, so no plan on, on changing anything anytime soon. That's not God's will. He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In repentance, there needs to be a desire to be cleansed. God, I'm not just asking you to forgive me and take away my guilt. Cleanse my heart of the desire to be a sinner. Amen? Too many people stop short and just try to expedite the process and say, okay, God, I just don't want to die lost. I don't want to be, I don't want to uh, go to hell. So, so forgive me. Take away the, the, the guilt of this all. Get cleansed. He said he's faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not, with, in, is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. God's desire is, for, is to help you stop sinning. God's desire is to help you learn how to live a victorious life, an overcoming lifestyle. Amen. And if any man sin, can I say it this way? If any man fail the test, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation, the payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. God's wanting to cleanse you and to forgive you. But you've got to confess. That's the first step. Lord, I have sinned against you. I've offended you. I failed the test. Just own it. Don't, don't try to justify it. Well, I, I wasn't ready for it. It was a pop quiz. Well, it, it just seemed like it was more than, than what I, I knew what to do. No, God's not going to allow that. God's, I, I was too weak. Well, a lot of times people are too weak because they've been giving in a little bit here, a little bit there, kind of drifting, like I said earlier. Amen? I, I know people say, well, what am I supposed to do? I come around the corner, sin just seems, and they're talking kind of uh, 
making an illustration, just seems like I'm living my life and, and take a step and boom, sin just washes over me like a tidal wave. And I don't know what to do. I'm just swept away. You probably have been taking a lot of steps and crossing a lot of boundaries up to that point. If you be sensitive to God and a lot of things that we preach to you and a lot of things you know right well, we are trying to, I, I think about things, see things all the time that, that uh, and even consider things that I was preached to uh, about many, many years ago and think that, you know, I know what it's like to sit there and say, what in the world could possibly be wrong with this? But I can tell you it's a, it's just a, a bad step in a wrong direction. And if you can recognize that in maturity, that somebody, sometimes it's not like, this is evil, it's wrong, it's going to take you to hell. But it's just not wise. And it's, it's without any doubt a step away from God's best in your life. That, that just should be good enough for somebody who wants to be saved. But don't justify yourself. Don't somehow downplay your sin and act like maybe uh, it's, it really wasn't as bad as what it could have been or as bad as what somebody else did. Or, you know, don't it, just, just confess to God it's sin. There's no need to try to excuse it or to put blame on someone else. Just, just go before God and understand that his, he's a righteous, holy judge, as we heard earlier in testimony service, but he wants to forgive you. But it's so, so fruitless. It's so, so useless to, to somehow downplay it. How, how does that, does that make you feel better about your sin? Say, well, I, I just, I, I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. We're going to talk about this a little bit later in my next point. But, but you might say, well, I just don't want people thinking this about, so what? Let, people are going to think, you can't control people and their thoughts. Just live for God. Number one, you know what, Psalm 32, verse 5, before, before we move on to our next point. Our first point is confess to God. Don't justify, don't excuse, don't blame, don't downplay. Confess that you've, if you failed a test, just own that and believe that. Recognize that and bring it to God. God, recognize that God's... God's bringing you through situations and circumstances, and he's expecting you to, to apply what you know. Psalm 32, verse 5 says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Just confess to God. Just acknowledge your transgressions. Now, God's not asking you to confess to Him any more than you've done. Just acknowledge. There, there are circumstances and situations that we face that so often are a test. You say, well, if this wasn't in the way, then I wouldn't have failed that test. It was the test. It's like saying if there was no test, I wouldn't have failed the test. I wouldn't have an F today if you just didn't test me today. Sure. But it, you did have a test. And you did get an F. So acknowledge that. I wasn't ready. Why not? I, 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 did, I wasn't strong enough. Why not? 
Don't make it God's fault. Acknowledge it. Confess it. Number two, Psalm 52. I love this verse. I think it's it's a verse that a lot of folks don't memorize, but I feel like something here that is just so important when you recognize the battle of dealing with our own failures. Psalm 52, verse 5, or verse 8, rather, says, But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. There comes a time when you confess and you acknowledge that does not automatically just take away consequences for actions. Failing a test will bring consequences. Many times it affects more than just you. Amen. It does not mean it's just going to be easy. It doesn't mean that, that, that uh, you're not going to suffer against some, some battles in your mind, condemnation. That's going to happen. This is the thing that a lot of folks just, you know, they get up from the altar and, and it's just like God was good and God worked. But, but you aren't going to have the strength that you should have because you haven't passed the test. You're, you're not graduating through this and getting a hold and being everything you need to be. And you need to get back on track and recognize that because you failed, there's going to be, your flesh is going to, going to be stronger and your spiritual man is going to be weaker. Are you hearing me? And the enemy's going to fight you. When you give in to flesh, when you give in to sin, it affects you. You can say, I'm sorry, God, but you don't have the strength of, a, of, a, of, a, of an A+. Plus. You don't have the strength of victory in your life. So you can't face the next day with the strength you don't have. And there's always going to be this mind battle of condemnation. I did wrong. I failed God. I can't believe I did that. So there's going to be repercussions. There's going to be consequences. People that, that continually, chronically just fall, they, they're, they're living in a state where they don't really ever get victory and, 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 and just strength in their spirit. They don't ever have that, that, uh, that fire in them, that inspiration in them, because they're living under, uh, under a life that, that is full of, of defeat rather than victory, and it's a different life. It's not the life God's called you to. And I, I, like I said, in a little bit, I want to talk about that life because that's not a, an option. A lot of people think it is. It's, they're, they're living miserable lives, but it's not an option. I, what we, you have to do is when you confess and you acknowledge, now you trust God's mercy. Now you say, God, this is, this, I believe that you are merciful. I believe that you are the payment for my sin. I believe you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe that. Well, that's easy to do. I believe God's merciful. It's one of the hardest things you can do because there is a battle. You're in a weakened state because of sin. You're in a weakened state, and the enemy is, is, is just jumps on you and starts hammering away at you. You cannot focus on 
the condemnation. God, the Bible says in Micah, the seventh chapter, who is like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, passeth by transgression of his remnant, of his heritage, retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. God delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. That's that scripture people talk about. The sea of God's forgetfulness. That's it. There's no God of, sea of forgetfulness in the Bible. But he cast them into the sea. And that's the point of that. So he delights in mercy. He wants to have mercy. But we've got to trust in that. And we're going to have to trust in that against all the the battles of the enemy. We're going to have to trust, hey, I failed a test, but I'm going to get back up. I'm going to go on in God. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. Amen. I can't focus on condemnation. I can't focus on what people are thinking or what I think they're thinking. I'm going to have to just be what God wants me to be. Say, well, somebody might might think I'm faking it. Just do it right anyhow. Somebody might think I'm, I, I, I'm a failure. Well, they'd be right, but by God, he's going to help me be better. We're not going out to justify ourselves in front of people. We're out to be saved and be right. 1 John 3, verse 20 says, For if our heart condemn us, that's what we're talking about. You ever been there? Have you, ever, have you ever been there where, where you know right well? Maybe looking back. Maybe then you didn't. But you know right well. God was ready to forgive me. God was ready to pardon me. God was loving me anyway. But, but I couldn't grasp that. God wasn't condemning me. But I was condemning me. And that's tough. Amen. You remember when Jesus looked at the harlot there, at the, the, the woman caught in adultery. He said, where are those that condemn you? I, neither do I condemn you. You don't think that that ordeal caused some serious problems in her to be how the enemy just brought out her dirty laundry and, and, and put it out there in front of everybody? She heard Jesus say, neither do I condemn thee. But can I tell you, we have to be able to recognize that his will and his word is bigger and better than what our heart is telling us. It's hard for us to go against what our hearts are telling us. You know, everybody all of our life is telling us, follow your heart, follow your heart. Stupid advice. Dumb, dumb advice to follow your heart. Not, not godly, not smart because your heart will, will deceive you. But the Bible says if you can listen to God and trust God, that's why we try so hard to put out there something that is encouraging, something that is going to strengthen you, something because we've got to override what our deceptive heart is telling us sometimes and, and not focus on that. Say, well, it's in my mind. You don't, have to, you don't have to focus on it. Well, I'm thinking it. You don't have to focus on it. You have to make a choice. It's like, well, it was there. I had to eat it. That, that big cupcake there, you know, what, that wasn't good for you. Well, it was there. You know, what was I supposed to do? The idea of discipline is like science fiction to a lot of people. And it works the same way. If you are going to discipline yourself, 
with finances, with holding a job, with learning and going to school, or you know, you're, you're going to have to go against what your, your your feelings are telling you and do something that you don't want to do, so that you can receive something that you want later on. Amen. We do it all the time. And it's the same thing with our minds. Just because it's there, you don't have to give it power. Just because it's there, you don't have to eat it up. Cast it down. Believe what God said. Trust in His mercy. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. So what do I do about that? I've got condemnation in my mind. I, I trust God more than I trust that. It, it doesn't just come naturally. I have to make a decision to say, I, I know what I feel. I'm not going to... I'm not going to believe that. So you know what? Hear this now. Just understand, this is not hypocrisy. This is growing up in God. The same way you say, well, I don't feel real good, but I'm going to get to work because I need a paycheck. I'm going to study hard because I need to pass. I'm not into it. I'm not excited about it. just got to do it. So I get up in the morning, and I'm feeling that condemnation weigh on me. And I just tell myself, I'm not going to trust in that. I'm going to trust what God says. That doesn't mean I'm just going to be as perky as I want to be. That doesn't mean my shoulders aren't going to be a little slumped. But I'm I'm going to ignore all that and just say, God, I'm trusting you. And the feelings will come, but understand, this is what I believe. I'm not putting my faith in my heart. I'm putting my faith in what God said. Do you understand that? Again, because of this whole idea that folks don't understand, just just uh, self-control, discipline, they feel like if they're feeling it, that, that's just everything. Feelings are everything. That's ridiculous. I'll tell you what, what matters, what you believe is important, your faith is important, and what you do based on that is where you're going to go. If you live by your feelings, you're, you're, going, to, you're going to fail miserably because your feelings will let you down. I got one more point, and we're going to close this. Number one, confess. I failed. I failed. Confess. Acknowledge it to God. Don't, don't downplay it. Don't justify it. Don't, don't go there. Just, just confess to God. Trust in His mercy. Believe what God said about it. Number three is the point I kind of started dealing with a couple of times, and I said I didn't want to get ahead of myself. Turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. My third point, my last point, is focus on graduating. Focus on passing the test the next time. See, what I believe, there are people who are are deceived. They've got this idea in their minds, and there's a lot of things that I've preached, a lot of things that I have have taught because I feel like there's people that's, even though they might say they don't believe it, they live like they believe it, where I don't really have to do great in God. I just have to make it into heaven. Bad preaching causes people to live like that. But bad preaching didn't save anybody. God's not brought you into this to live your life as a, as a can I say, just a, a like a kindergartner. Just one. Now, if you just started out and you're in spiritual kindergarten, then, then that's great. 
there's nothing to be ashamed of. And because you don't have the faith and the understanding that people around you have, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Amen. But there's an idea that people get in their minds that says, I can just keep failing God. And, and that's okay. They've kind of accepted that lifestyle. They're not expect, they're not, they have no motivation to grow, to, to learn, to overcome. They just feel like, well, I keep saying I'm sorry. That's going to relieve me of guilt and I can still go to heaven with no guilt. No, you cannot. Jesus did not bleed on the cross and give his life for us to just keep taking from his mercy. Jesus did not pour out his Holy Ghost for you just so you could live with a, an F on every test. Don't get the idea that you can just slide by. God wants you to learn and to grow. Psalm 119, look at this. This is, we, I think most of us are, are familiar with Psalm 119. It is really just a song, you would say a love song, about the Word of God. And it uses the words, the, prince, the precepts, the commandments, the, uh, on and on and on, the uh, uh, ordinances of God. It's just, just David loving the Bible. Look what it says. Let's just go through a few verses here. Psalm 119, 12. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Psalm 119, 26. I have declared my ways, and thou, hast, thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Verse 68. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. Verse 108. Accept, I beseech thee, the free will offering of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. Are you getting the idea? Verse 124. Deal with thy servant according to under thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. Psalm 119, verse 135. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Teach me thy statutes. Verse 124 I want to go back to and read again. Deal with thy servant according to thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. Learn. Make up your mind. You're going to learn more about God. Just take a step. Don't, don't just, just cruise through your life and have God constantly trying to get your attention. God constantly trying to, to bring you to a better place. See, these lessons, again, let me say to those that didn't raise their hand the other week when I said, who likes algebra? But there might be something that, that you learned and you say, you know what, I never really needed that in my life that I can see. Maybe you're right, maybe you're not, I don't know. But God's got practical wisdom for you. God's got things to help you be blessed to help you grow, to help you live a life as an overcomer. Amen. To live a life, to do God's will in a greater way. People that come to church so gifted and so talented and have so much potential, but never allow God to teach them. They say, God, here I am. I've got more than probably 
80% of everybody else. I've got so much talent and ability. And God says, you know what? You need, you've got a lot to learn. I want you to, uh, there's some things I want you, no, no, teach somebody else. Teach those sorry losers something. But I know what I'm doing. They know better than anybody else. No, we all need to go to school. We all need to learn what God is trying to show us. Because we all have, God's got something better for us. I'm telling you, if you'll listen to God and let him teach you, let him be the, the, the teacher. You be the disciple. Listen in church. Listen when you're reading the Bible, when you pray, and Listen in life. There's going to be lessons all over the place. If you start learning, you'll be glad you did. You'll look back and say, hey, this is the lesson I learned from that. This is what helped me with this. And I'm better for it today because of God's good teaching in my life. There'll be tests along the way. If you failed, there's a way to get back up and keep learning and growing. But don't ever sink into a place where failing tests is just what I do. But, oh, I love Jesus. No, no, no. Let God, let God lead you. Let God lead you. Can we bow our heads in prayer? The idea that that we can go through our lives just defeated, it's not an option. It's not a a lifestyle that you can choose in church. God's, God's got better for you. God's got a plan for you. You need to let him lead you. You need to let him teach you. Sister Katie, if you come and play something on the keyboard, please. Oh, hallelujah. I see people in this world as well as spiritually and in church struggling hard. And sometimes to me it's just so tragic because it's not just because there's problems, it's because they're not really ever open to learn and to 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 grow and to be better seen people like that in this world and we've always said they're just their own worst enemy they keep making these choices that cause them to to go into to just painful problems and they just never never make the connection that maybe if I'd learn to do better maybe I'd apply myself They never want to take the responsibility of of some of the problems with their their health, with their finances, with their job, with their family. And they just continue on, one after another, F, F, failing tests. See it in church many times. I see it where people just never... Never get a hold. Never choose to say, you know what, God's going to help me be better. They're fighting a fight against temptation. They're fighting a fight against the condemnation of their heart and mind. And rather than just say, you know what, I'm going to fight hard and I'm going to overcome this and I'm going to be better. They... They try to convince themselves that they can take an easier way. Somehow they'll believe it's less work just to live in 
just with all the with all the failures. So foolish, so foolish to think that that that's the life that God has called you to have. Say yes to God. Say yes to His leading, His teaching. And if you fail, understand there's a way to get back up. There's a way to to renew and restore yourself in the house of God. God's going to help you. Can we all stand? Oh, we love you, Jesus. Come on, let's find a place to pray. some of you need to get a hold of this message and listen to it again. Prayerfully look over the notes maybe. Get a copy sent to you or print it out for you. God's wanting to save you. Oh yes, here I am. a choice today to turn away. You make a choice not to listen. God's reaching for you. God's wanting to help you. God's made a way for you to have a blessed life. To be saved. We teach and we preach about doing more for God, being better for God. You ever take a step? You ever let God just work in your life to do a little more? Just drifting a little bit more into mediocrity, drifting a little bit more into what's the least I can do and still get by attitude. Never really ever rising to a challenge. Never really saying, you know what, I need this. And the devil just gets you in a corner. from the left, you get hit from the right over and over again never really having the victory that you need because you've you've abandoned the idea of just growing in God and being challenged to learn to be everything God wants you to be oh help us God help us God Here I am, Lord. Oh, here I am. Jesus. Oh, we need you, God. We need you, God. The way the devil's fighting us in this last day, there's no way that you are going to be able to make it doing the least possible just to be saved. It'll never work. The Bible talks about the church of Laodicea. A lukewarm church. He tells them to be zealous and repent. So many have looked at Laodicea as a type of this end time church of America. 
I don't just believe that that's exactly what God was trying to do, but we can see it around us so much, that kind of spirit of lukewarmness. And he said, if you'll repent and be zealous, hallelujah, he's going to work in your life. He'll give you victory. You're going to be an overcomer. But the lukewarm attitude, neither cold nor hot, he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Help us, God. Help us, God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Let's all stand and just lift our hands to him. God, we love you. Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness, God. Help us, I pray, to, Lord, to consider what we've heard today. Lord, to allow you to just build in our lives. We love you so much, Lord. Bless your people, I pray. Keep us safe as we travel, Lord. Just continue to work in our hearts and work through us, Lord, this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.